Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you know about Christian Leitner? Played for Duke. Actually, I know a lot about Christian Leitner. I my my brother was a massive, massive, massive Duke fan when he was a young kid. Um, I wouldn't even say a young kid. We were actually in our in our late teens, and uh, my brother still has a, a Duke Blue Devil hat that used to be a nice dark blue with the big D on the front. And now it's like a uh, an ocean blue, like just faded, and it's all ripped up. And uh, he still loves that hat more than anything. So big, big Christian Leitner fan. Well, Christian Leitner, after a few years, is coming back to Buffalo. Nichols went to Nichols and uh, went to Duke from Nichols. Went on to play over eight hundred games in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and he does his basketball camp, camp yeah. here in Buffalo at Nichols School. Gracious enough to give us 25 minutes of his time uh, yeah. uh, during a, a busy schedule for him. So I uh, just wanted everyone to know that if you do have kids that go that are local in the area and play basketball, go check out LeitnerCamps.com and um, sign your kids up for this camp. He comes in, he talks to the kids. He said he'll be around. And I, I loved our conversation with him. He has an unbelievable yeah. story and a competitiveness and a drive that I didn't know existed until I saw that documentary about him. And just an unbelievable story. Everyone remembers that shot. Everyone remembers that. Iconic. The shot. The shot. Um, that was Coach K's first national championship. Christian Leitner helped lead him to it. He talks about that inside the episode and i hope everybody enjoys christian thanks so much for coming on man well nice to meet you guys and thanks for having me on your podcast i'm a sabers fan for sure i'm an nhl hockey fan i watch it all the time but especially the playoffs the playoffs hockey is just so great i love the sport because passing is at a premium in hockey you can get you know checked off the puck or bumped off the puck so Passing is at a premium, and that's what I try to teach on the basketball court. Even though you can't be bumped too hard or checked in basketball, um, I still like to teach the art of passing. Sometimes it's a a lost art in today's game, and everyone wants to go one-on-one, but I make sure when I'm working with the young players that I teach them to pass and cut. So how does it feel to uh, to come back to, to Buffalo? It's awesome. I've, I've missed it ever since COVID hit. 
you know, we had to take two or three years off from the camp. But uh, everyone at Nichols told me this year that they're ready to have me back. So I jumped in and said, let's do a camp in Buffalo. And I enjoy every second of it. My dad's up there every summer. So I get to stay at the house I grew up in in Angola, New York, and then drive all the way into Nichols and do the camp. And then when camp's over, I go and stuff my face and eat, eat as much buffalo food as I can. And I'll probably gain 10 pounds in the week that I'm there. And uh, the biggest culprit is probably the peanut donuts from Tops and a nice cup of coffee that I get in the morning on the way to camp. Well, you, you brought up Angola and, uh, you know, Craig... Craig's well, like, let him have it, Petey. Craig's let him like, have he's, it. he's from Angola, New York. And I said, yeah. I said, I, I know that. And he said, well, we got to ask him, do you know that you're the second most famous person out of Angola, New York? Do you know who the first is? No, who's the you, first? Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Pat Coletta? No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so we played we played with Pat Coletta. Obviously oh, the uh the hockey fans here in town uh know who Pat Coletta. Oh, he was awesome. uh, born and raised in Angola. This is amazing right now. I cannot wait to And to, he listens to this show so he has a day named after him. He has a Pat Coletta day. So uh he's he's uh he's a big deal. Oh, that's a <laughs> Where did he go to high school and he played in the NHL? He went to St. Francis and then he went up to the OHL up in Canada and then he was drafted by the Sabres and uh, he's a he's a legend for many 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 reasons Christian but I don't want to waste our, our our time that we have with you talking about uh, uh, Patty Coletta you know Craig Craig had a, a point he wanted to make or a question he wanted to ask and I'll ask it for him but how does a kid from Angola New York end up at Nichols, and then end up playing at Duke for Coach K? Well, my I have an older brother who's four years older than me, and he went to St. Franny's. And um, Bob Turgowski used to coach basketball at Franny's, and uh, he left there or quit coaching at Franny's, and then he sent his kids to Nichols. And I grew up playing with those Turgowski boys, and once they went to Nichols, then I took a look at Nichols to see if I could go there. And it's just a great school, great academically, great, great athletics. So I chose to go to Nichols and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. I just love that school. The teachers there are great. The, everyone there is so willing to help. And um, I had a far, you know, a long drive every day, 45 minutes back and forth. And I used to, take the you know city metro bus system home sometimes and uh st franny's was like the halfway point a home between Nichols and angola so i've spent many a nights 8 30 p.m standing on route five right there in front of st franny's sticking my thumb out or and waving the bus down to catch the bus the last 8 30 bus all the way to angola so no well, way. One of, well, one of the coolest things, too, you know, and, and I love what you're saying here because it wasn't easy for you to, to get to where you got to. And, and even to go to Nichols, didn't you have to do the didn't you do a, 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 a like you paid for your schooling by working there in the summers, too? Yeah. If you got a little bit of financial help or scholarship help, you would have to do the summer work program, which means that you come in in the summer and you help clean up the school and rip out the old rugs and put in new rugs and clean the floors. And um, 
you know, but it's a great experience learning uh, some work ethic, learning that you have to work for what you want. If I wanted to go to Nichols and experience all the great things at Nichols, then I had to work for it. I had to come in in the summertime and, and do some work around the school. So it's just a great experience. And that's one of the ways I met some of my best friends in the world. So, so did Nichols, were they looking at you or did you look at the school? Like, how did that work for you? Like, cause I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, like how did the evolution of, of Christian Leitner happen? You know, were you a complete stud when you were, you know, a freshman and, and going into high school? I was doing pretty good when I was, you know, eighth and ninth grade. I don't think they necessarily recruited me, but a big reason I went to Nichols was the Torgalski family. Once uh, once Bob Sr., you know, left St. Franny's and went to Nichols and moved his kids over to Nichols, that was the initiating point for me starting to look at Nichols. But then once I went there and visited the school and saw how awesome it is, like a college prep school and you know, it looks like a college with with buildings separate and you got to walk around and go from building to building and you got to wear your sport coat and tie. So it was just a great, great place for me to get my schooling. And the basketball coach was really good there, Jim Kramer. So I wanted to play under him and and everything else went smoothly. Well, let me ask you this. So what, you're I mean, you're what, 6'11"? Yeah. How tall were you when you were going into high school? I was... I've been this height since I was 15. So since he, uh, 6 11, since I was 15 and I probably weighed 215 pounds. So I was just long and tall and skinny. How does Duke end up hearing about you? Do, I mean, obviously your play was one thing. Cause I've been to the, to the Nichols gym and I mean, the, you are like, you have what? 3000 points or something there. And then the next guy down is like a thousand, I think. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you were heads and, and, shoulders above everybody else literally and figuratively in terms of of basketball so how does the whole process work or how did it work for you well back then in the mid 80s um aau basketball wasn't very big so you had to go to this thing called the five-star basketball camp which they had some camps in uh honesdale and they had some camps at robert morris college in uh pittsburgh near pittsburgh so Five Star was the biggest camp nationally back then in the mid-80s. So I just made sure that I went to the Five Star camp. I think I think I went there as a rising sophomore in high school. And I did well, and that's when I got on everyone's radar in terms of uh, being a good basketball player. And and at Five Star at, those, at that time in the mid-80s, you know, for the championship game at camp, Every college coach was there. So that was the first time I saw Bobby Knight, Dean Smith, Coach K. And yes, by the time you're a senior in high school and and you're only looking at three schools like Virginia, Carolina, and Duke, um, you know, one game in mid-January, Coach K showed up to, to a game and Dean Smith came to a game and I'll never forget my sophomore year in high school. Uh, Bobby Knight came on campus to make a visit to talk to my high school coach. And no one knew about it. And all of a sudden, he's walking on campus. And it was like, you know, Elvis Presley was on campus. So people were just going crazy. And everyone was running across campus. And 
someone barged into my biology class. I, I remember I was sitting in biology class and some kid ran in and said, Bobby Knight's here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so it was crazy. How many, how many scholarship offers did you have at the time back then? Obviously you would have had options. Um, you know, to care to, to tell us like some other schools that were interested. Well, I had a very smooth process and my coach, Jim Kramer, he was the college, the uh, college counselor at my school also. So he was very adept at handling coaches that are recruiting you and, you know, signing up for college and trying to decide where to go. So he had a great handle on it. And at the end of my sophomore year, you know, a lot of people were thinking about offering me a scholarship. So we we cut the group of colleges down to 11 schools. And then after my junior year, we probably cut it down to five schools. And at the beginning of my senior year, we cut it down to three schools. So I really just chose between Virginia, Duke, and Carolina. And I ended up going to Duke, obviously. But the process was very smooth and very well handled by my high school coach, Jim Kramer. I'm sure it's well documented out there. I mean, the, the ESPN documentary on you was absolutely incredible. Uh, one of the best ones they've ever done, um, to be quite honest with you. And it may be out there as to why, but why did you pick Duke over the other ones? A lot of reasons. I love their colors. I love their Adidas top 10 that they were wearing. I love that they were called the Blue Devils. But the biggest reason was... It's a great academic school. And then the second reason is Coach K. He um, he was just younger than all the other coaches. I thought he was the hungriest. He had not yet won a championship. So I wanted to be part of, you know, seeing if he can win his first championship. And their style of play was just very suited for my game. They They allowed their big guys to play inside and outside. And I thought I could do that. I thought I could pass from the perimeter. I thought I could hit some perimeter shots and it was just a great fit the way they play on the court for my game. And so how was, how was the feeling when you first met coach K? It was the greatest feeling in the world, but I got to tell you when I called my, when I made my decision that night, I stayed at my high school coach's house because there was going to be like some TV cameras there and stuff. So I had to call my mother and tell her I wasn't going to go play for Dean Smith and she cried over the phone. So that made my, <laughs> that made my decision tougher, but um, she just loved Dean Smith. Dean Smith had a great way of connecting with the parents and making the parents feel comfortable. Like I'm going to take care of your son and he'll be just fine. So, but it's, it sounds like, it sounds like your parents let you make your own de decisions, tough decisions at a very crucial point in your life, which is, rare in the sports that we play in hockey well that's surprising um you would think maybe that the decision should be up to you know the kid the player um but i think with hockey players maybe they're a little younger you know when they have to decide do they go play in canada or where where do they go play so but by my senior year i was 17 and a half 18 years old and my parents left it left it up to me and I think that's the way it should be, but I had a lot of help deciphering through the process, like I said, with my coach, Jim Kramer, who was the college guidance counselor at Nichols.
So let's let's fast forward to Duke from that point while you're playing there. And are you are you sick of talking about the shot? I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. Before you came on, I didn't even want to bring it up to you because I feel like, you know. But at, at the same time, I was on the radio this morning here in Buffalo on ninety seven Rock, and they're like, "Hey, what do you got coming up on the pod?" And I was like, "I said, well, we got Christian Leitner coming on today." And I said, I don't even know if I'm going to ask him about the shot and the two guys that have been doing radio for 30 years here in Buffalo Shred and Rag. And they were like, you got to ask him about that shot. And I guess to, 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 to ask a simple question, is that the greatest moment in your basketball life? And I, and I asked Craig that question earlier, and he asked if maybe was it the worst? And I only say the worst because of you having to answer it. Literally one of the most iconic college basketball shots of all time sporting moments of all time sporting moments well thank you i appreciate that i wouldn't say i get tired of talking about it um you know it's just part of part of my life so i do not get tired of talking about it you know it's it's a very very fond memory but i wouldn't say it's the highlight of my life because you don't play sports you don't play basketball for one shining moment for one play to hit a buzzer beater. You play sports to win championships. So I would say my fondest memories are winning championships at Duke, winning the gold medal on the dream team. You know, those are the reasons you play the game. Um, Now I might be most remembered or noted for that shot and I'll take it. Talk about the dream team. You were the young, well, you're the only amateur player on that team. What was that like? You know, people might find this surprising, but my favorite year at Duke was my freshman year because there really wasn't any huge expectations on me. Okay. There wasn't any huge pressure on me. So my favorite year at Duke, even though we won my junior year and we won my senior year, my favorite year at Duke was my freshman year. So the dream team was the same way because I didn't have to score any points for us to win. <laughs> so I loved being on the dream team. There was no pressure. Uh, there was no media coverage after practice, after the games, none of the media came and spoke to me. So I loved every second of it. All I had to do was be a good rookie and get coffee and donuts and cigars for the guys when they told me to. And um, just were you involved? The- were you involved in any of those card games? Of course not. They didn't allow a rookie, you know, in those card games. So, <laughs> I was were you, not, were I, you sitting at the front of the bus in the front of the planes? I was sitting at the very front, and uh, <laughs> you know, th- they wouldn't invite me to the card games, but they would say, "We're sitting down to play cards. Make sure you have our cigars ready for us." They definitely treated me like a rookie, you know, making me earn my stripes and. <laughs> And bumping me a little harder in practice to see if I could handle it. But they treated me great, and I loved every second of it. And um, it's just memories that I'll never forget. Who was the hardest on you? Like you coming in, just some rookie that had, you know, in in their eyes, this guy has no business being here. Like, was there a guy that treated you a little bit rough at the beginning? I wouldn't say anyone treated me rough. I would say about the first time we got together in La Jolla, California, um, we had a dinner meeting on like a Wednesday night. 
And I would say half of the guys came up right away and they, they were really nice and shook my hand and said hello. And, and the other half, you know, said hello and, and met me and shook my hand. But uh, you could tell that they were like maybe waiting for the first practice to see if I was a prima donna or something like that. So the next day we had practice on Thursday morning and they all banged me real hard and bumped into me and tried to dunk on me. And, and they could see that I didn't cry when it happened. So after the first practice, they all were great to me. And um, they just wanted to see that I knew my place, knew my spot. And I did that. So after the first practice, they all were great to me. Is it true Larry Bird drank like 60 beers sitting by the pool one day? <laughs> I don't know about that. I know I know we had like a family room in Barcelona and there was a ping pong table set up there. And maybe that was he was lying on the floor and he drank like 60 beers or something, didn't he? And his back was hurting him, so he wasn't able to play ping pong. So he might have had a beer or two, yes. Yeah, a case or two. Did did Chuck Daly throw that game against the amateurs the first time around? You know, that's what the rumor is. That's what the story is. I don't know. I didn't see anything going on. I didn't see it. You know, the coaches like whispering to each other. I do know that we had a few people injured that day, and you're looking on the court the last five minutes of the game and you know, Michael Jordan is not out there. So um, you just, in, in hindsight, you had to think what was going on, but the college kids just played really good that day. They zoned out. And I don't know, maybe you get sick of talking about this. You played with Jordan at two very pinnacle points of his career on the dream team when he was just at the absolute height of being Michael Jordan. And at the end, when he was with the Washington wizards, and what was the difference between him in 92 and when you played with him in, on, on the Wizards? The only difference I saw, you know, on the Wizards when he was older, 40 or 41, however old he was, is he just had to take, you know, a few days off here and there. Michael Jordan is renowned for never taking days off, never taking practices off, never taking games off. So, that's one of the reasons he's the greatest player of, of all times. But, you know, on the Wizards, once he was 40, he had to do some type of load management. So um, he had to take it easy once in a while. But besides that, he was still the killer that he is. Well, does he get a bad rap? It sounds like it sounds like in, in recent years, he's, you know, stories have come out about him. Does he get it? Does he get a bad reputation well, that's one of the worst parts about social media and and I'm sorry to say it and the podcast and all this stuff is that everyone everyone has a chance to voice their opinion. Um, you know, I think lately he's gotten a bad rap for maybe being too hard on people and too hard on his teammates. But I mean, geez, you don't win championships unless you're very, very demanding of yourself, of your teammates. And sometimes I get a bad rap of, uh, you know, being hard on my teammates at Duke. And well, that was um, the whole documentary on ESPN. And I, I, that's where I was going with this was it sounds like you two guys are very much cut from the same competitive cloth. Well, you got to remember, Duke didn't win any championships until my junior year. So eventually you get tired of, uh, you know, coming in second place and, 
1990, after we lost by 30 points to UNLV, you know, the media was saying Duke will never win. They're too soft, blah, 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 blah. blah. So we had to be tougher and we had to be more demanding uh, of ourselves, more demanding of each other. And once we were very, very demanding on each other, then we were able to win some championships. So it's all worth it. I will only make a comment. I know we're, we need to let you go. We've kept you over over our uh, our time. I just want to make a comment. My my brother, you know, going back to the shot, I, I can literally remember being with my brothers, two years older, massive, massive basketball guy. My brother to this day um, bought a hat back at that time before you guys won that championship. And to this day, he still has that hat. Okay. And we're talking a long time ago, he bought that hat and it is frayed. And it used to be a nice, uh, the, the nice dark blue. And now it is clearly not because he has worn this thing to, I mean, the, if you were to see it, it's, it's legendary. It's almost like it can't be worn anymore. And he has it in his room hung up. Um, the memory of that shot, the memory of Duke. He's a massive Duke uh, fan, and I'm going to tell you this: he is going to absolutely lose his marbles when uh, when I tell him about this this episode that we're doing with Christian Leitner. He is just going to be beside himself. So I literally, I'm not even kidding you. Uh, last thing I'm going to say is I just looked up your shot. I looked up the shot. I can still remember exactly where I was when you made this shot. And I'm going to tell you right now, it almost like I got electrocuted. I have goosebumps all the way down the arms, legs, everything. It is crazy to me. And I'm just so thankful uh, for your time here today um, to have you on, Christian. It's really, uh, it's amazing what that what those moments in your life do to you, you know, and now it's, it just came back to me and it's just like, I'm just giddy right now with uh, the opportunity to talk to you today. So thank you. Christian, thank what you. highlight of ours uh, makes you that excited? <laughs> if you guys want to come to the Nichols camp and say hello, please do. If you want to meet me at Elmwood Taco and Sub for some good tacos or at Connor's hot dog stand down in Angola, let's go there. I'm going to be stuffing my face. When I'm home in Buffalo this summer and I'm going to see my one of my best buddies in the world lives in Lancaster, Kevin Flanagan, and then my other buddy, Jake Sapio, out in Orchard Park. So there'll be lots of good eating and I'm bringing my son and his best friend, Byron, and we're just going to have a great time. Kristen, this has been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, I always when we started this, even when we started our live radio show years ago, I remember I always said I would I would love to be able to to know a tentacle to, to Christian Leitner. And then after I saw your documentary, I would have loved to have had you on obviously with us in the Buffalo connection. So thank you to Matt Bradshaw and uh, Mark Stalka for helping, uh, helping set this up and, and put us in contact. Cause um, you know, basketball is blowing up around here. Obviously you're a massive part of that from back in the day, but it's getting even bigger and bigger and bigger and there are more kids involved. So uh, happy to see your camp back in, in Western New York. Well, thanks a lot, fellas. I appreciate it. Good luck with your podcast. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.